Welcome. This is Stan Lee of Marvel Comics warning you to look around you. Your classmates, your friends, you never know which one of them may be terrorist mutants who plan to destroy the human race. Mutants. I hate them. It has come to my attention that you have a mutant power. He's a mutant, a stinking mutant. He doesn't deserve to live on the same planet as normal, decent human beings. Get away from me, beast. Don't you remember what it was like when you first discovered you were a mutant? Magneto, Professor X. The X-Men. Stop them! Welcome to my island. See the palm trees waving the wind. Welcome to my island. Hope you like me. Welcome to Hated and Feared. Holly has once again been captured by Orcus, and the rest of us are stuck in a no-place tumor. My name's Nick, and with me are Janos and Kiwi. How are you guys doing? Hello. Ground. Doing good. Um, on my vacation, so I'm chilling. I was saying to Nick at, at, at the start here that I've have been on like five hours of video calls already today because I have like a divisional <laughs> meeting and a three hour long Irish class. But this is the good one. So it's fine. Oh yeah, it is. See, that's the thing. Like I on the second week of my vacation. So now I'm fully like on what day is it mode. Like <laughs> I forget that it's like a work day for people. That's the, that's yeah. the dream. I've been working a lot. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Damn. But, you know, such is life sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like, the work, you know, the work call things are also just so much more exhausting. Like, we don't need to get, we don't need to get into it. <laughs> Why are they still advertising the Guardians of the Galaxy Complete Soundtrack Collection at the back of these issues? Like... I feel like the last one of those came out like two years ago at this point. I know it was technically this year, but... I bet that shit sells. Like, people love those soundtracks. I know people loved them when the first one came out, right? And everyone was like, oh, cassettes are cool now. I'm buying a cassette because Star-Lord had one. I think I think it's like still... Still, people are like, "Oh yeah, James Gunn does a really good soundtrack." Like, or he picks a really good soundtrack. Yeah, I guess that's like part of the thing is that normies move. I don't want to say normies, but like regular people move slower in like these cycles than us. Like when when we're like in our internet poisoned brains, like way oversaturated with certain things such as James Gunn's soundtrack shit. Because like we're we because we're aware of how like every single like blockbuster action movie has tried to imitate that same shit of using uh, fun pop culture songs um, 
or like fun like throwback pop songs like all the time like yeah jukebox scores are oversaturated for us (laughs) yeah it, it was it was like a breath of fresh air when that first one came out like i i remember seeing that in the movie theater and i was like oh this is so cool but it became like a mimetic thing as well like that first soundtrack like literally i started college around the time that movie came out and i remember just so many cars driving around on the move-in day blaring different parts of that soundtrack and i'm not gonna lie i had the soundtrack on a burnt cd that a friend had given me (laughs) as a going away present yeah um and so i like listened to it from time to time but after like hearing it so much just like without my own decision in the process i, mm-hmm. I was just done with it and like it kind of took some of the some of the juice out of those guardians movies for me going forward like i was not as interested in the second one yeah. after that yeah it was around that time like a safe bet if you were like in a social situation and with people you weren't like really close friends with like the guardians of the galaxy soundtrack was always a safe bet to put on yeah yeah definitely wouldn't we used to just have like youtube up on the like tv while we're drinking in someone's house and like yeah half the songs from that soundtrack would end up there (laughs) would end up in the queue at some point (laughs) I mean, what's even crazier, though, is this ad of the Loki watch. Yeah, the watch uh, ads are are over the top, for sure. I do not want a, a comic book character watch. I already have. I have I have a Marvel watch that I was given for Christmas a few years ago that just sits in a box that I won't wear. <laughs> yeah, this is the Loki season to watch. Um, they got seasons in watches now, too. No, but it's the season two of the TV show, so they're oh. bringing a watch out of it for out, out for it. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I would like. I thought it was like they're they're doing like seasonal drops. Like you gotta fucking be complete the battle pass to order the watch yes. or something like seasonal. Yeah, like a Spider Man watch. Yeah. Uh, Great. I haven't worn a watch since I was like I mean, I 13. Guess, <laughs> I guess a Spider-Man watch is something that like I could see people wear, you know. The Loki watch is a bit like the Loki TV show watch is. It's like I need a Loki watch that when people look at it, they know that I mean <laughs> the comics written by Al Ewing and not the TV show specifically. Not, spe- not specifically the second season of the TV show. The the season where they feature sweet and sour sauce from McDonald's as their other big advertising thing. Is that true? That was, like, all over the place here, I feel like, for, like, a little bit, was it was just, like, get the sweet and sour sauce featured in Marvel's Loki. And I was like, I don't want to go through the Rick and Morty thing again. Don't do this to me. Am I am I crazy, or did McDonald's always have the sweet They've and sour sauce? They've always had the sweet and sour sauce, they just <laughs> advertised it for a while as featured in Loki. I think they were doing, like, a bigger these things have been in these movies thing with their products 
The McDonald's sweet and sour sauce is like a big childhood thing for me because I don't know if uh, I, I have to assume that American McDonald's always had more sauces than we had, but like in Hungary, like the only ones that we had were ketchup, mayo, and sweet and sour. So you would always get the sweet and sour with your McNuggets. Yeah. Uh, I think at this point there's more sauces, but yeah. When I was a kid, I just wouldn't wouldn't get any sauces with my nuggets because <laughs> it was boring. Uh, oh yeah, I mean that's what my sisters are like. My my younger sisters are very uh, no sauce. Yeah, I mean my whole honestly, most of my family is uh, just like eating their like chickens completely dry like all their grilled stuff oh like, yeah i'm also from they a very nothing with sauces. it's awful <laughs> yeah it's it's the worst and you know as a kid you don't realize how bad you have it until you like get to an age when you can like eat your own food like make your own food and you realize that your whole family is living an insane lifestyle <laughs> Where, all right do we have anything to say about gods just I didn't read it. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was fine. I I liked it, but yeah, I, I don't know if I wanted to pay ten dollars <laughs> for it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read Gods. I went to the comic shop on the day it came out, and I was like flipping through it, and um, then I decided I don't want to pay ten dollars for that. I bought some other shit. I bought the. I bought two of the X-Men comics uh, instead uh, for the same price or less of the price uh, and I bought like the first issue of Rare Flavors which looked good uh, and I don't regret it I, I enjoyed I enjoyed these I will read I will catch up on Gods like either next week or like by the time the second issue comes out but yeah I, I mean, it seems like a really big story, so I kind of wish that I could read more of it at once than, like, and I know it was, like, a, what, an 80-page issue? And I, I feel like that, that first issue feels fairly self-contained as well. Yeah, like yeah, it's it a, does. It's a whole story, and then it's like, okay, and the next issue will be presumably starting on some of the larger stuff, but it's like, and it's just, it's just Hellblazer a bit, like... It's just on John Constantine. It really um, feels like he's just John Constantine. I like his sidekick and how he doesn't want to put down his phone, but otherwise... These kids these days, they own their phones. <laughs> I think the phone is a god, but I'm not sure. <laughs> the phone is a god? <laughs> I, I read a lot of Hellblazer, so I'm, I'm very open to more Hellblazer. But uh, it's it's like I, I do need a bit more of a twist on it before I'm super psyched. I'm I'm hoping there we do get a little bit more to this character than just he is John Constantine, but in Marvel and getting a divorce. Um, because like I liked it, but it it didn't feel like this this like huge huge deal. I guess mm. did it not reinvent. Marvel's cosmology as you know it there there were some proper nouns that were said um, that weren't explained at all 
that that in some future issue might uh, redefine Marvel's cosmology, but uh, at the minute, no, no, it did not. Yeah, because I've seen like the solicits for or the covers for uh, I think it was like a preview for Gods number two. And the like press text was again something like read the second issue of Marvel's most anticipated new series, the talk of ev- the buzz of everyone of this new cosmic pantheon. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not feeling the like casual comic fans like buzzing about it. Like I'm not feeling huge. Yeah, I think the. It- the only reason we're even talking about it is because we've accidentally made ourselves a little bit of a Jonathan Hickman podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and because we had all these fucking God's teases in Which the oh comics. Like, half of them were just for this first issue because like he does a thing he does like a paperclip to a house like trade thing where he just goes around a bunch of people and like Starts with one thing, trades it, trades it to someone else, and gets to, like, the powerful thing he needs. And, like, half the things are just things that were in those, like, God's preview pages. There's, like, that that watch that the collector had, and there was some, I don't know, some vase or something. And it was just, it was just that stuff. And it was like, (laughs) this did not need a preview page, so that I could know that the collector has a watch that Mr. Gods holds on to for two pages and then trades to the trader or something. Like I'm really souring of that God's two page, like interrupting the Hellfire Gala in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just doesn't feel like it was worth the payoff, I guess. Has any of you read uh like the last issue of Ultimate Invasion, because I haven't even, like, finished that. No, I haven't read that yet. I have. Um, it's cool. I, like... Yeah. I'm I'm actually, I'm a bit unclear on some of the stuff that happened. Um, but I think, like, the setup they have now for what this Ultimate Universe is going to be is interesting. And I'm... It's like I really want to figure out what like what Ultimate Spider-Man's going to be like. Yeah, I think there's going to be f- first he's going to have a u- an Ultimate Universe series. Yeah. I I think that might just be one or um Oh, okay, maybe. I'm not sure if it's a mini. Oh yeah, there's like a full page spread ad for that in one of the books. This week. <laughs> I would yeah, imagine I guess the- that will like set up some of the people who, because you know though we we saw like a bunch of characters in their sort of new status in like Ultimate Invasion Two or whatever. I imagine like this the next thing will be them sort of figuring out who can fill other roles, like who's who's Professor X in this universe, who's. Spider-Man, who is like, uh, you know, and then we'll we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. No, you're right though, it is Ultimate Universe number one is a one-shot. Does it say how many pages it is or anything? Probably another oversized one. I would yeah. They love to <laughs> they love to put on uh the $10 price tag on uh, Hickman issues. 
and I love to say no thank you like that and the fact that comicsology doesn't really exist anymore and the digital comics cost like the same as the print comics which and is it's competing with like shonen jump where you're paying three euro a month for right uh, like 20 series <laughs> and it's like no competition Can't and like my brother has a su- subscription model where you can read them for way cheaper like six months later on marvel unlimited so if they they're trying to determine the fact that a series is yes yeah but like still like if they're trying to determine if a series is selling well on like print prices but also at the same time like say that hey you can read this way later for way like later for way cheaper it's people are just gonna like either wait until it's on unlimited, and then it's gonna, and then they're gonna say no, we're not extending the series because nobody bought the overpriced issues when they came out. I think like just having a digital, like having digital issues for like cheaper, like even like Amazon's like Kindle prices are usually like half the print book prices, and it just makes no sense why the digital issue of ultimate invasion 4 would be nine dollars yeah the like the the way they are distributing these books hasn't made sense for like a long time and they should change how they do it but they're definitely not going to anytime soon because they can charge fucking ten dollars for an 80 page floppy that will fall apart, like... Yeah! Like, no fucking spine, and they're charging you $10. <laughs> and, it, like, and I bought it! Like, I'm a mark. I'm, I'm not above it. I'm not pretending here that, like, they didn't fucking get me this week. That I, I didn't fall for the hype for gods and th- think, like, yes, this will change everything I know about <laughs> magic in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. And and not just, like, no, they have a big meeting room. Because um, I think that was the... I mean, that's, like, in the first issue, the only thing that's, like, new about magic in the in the Marvel Universe is there's some, some gods we haven't heard of and they have a big meeting room where all the magic people go and that's cool maybe that was already there i don't even really read a lot of magic shit in the marvel universe <laughs> it doesn't even it feels like it's just because it's like like the the science people are there as well it's like reed and iron man so i feel i feel like it's just avengers tower or something and they just set up some portals like, yeah that could be i don't know yeah it doesn't introducing a character who is immediately like supposed to be bigger and better and cooler and better at all the shit than all the Marvel heroes that have already existed. We've seen that we've seen that before. And like it, most of the time it doesn't work. And I'm sure like, I trust Jonathan Hickman can pull whatever shit off. He's going to pull off and that like, it'll be a good story by the time we get to issue 10 or whatever. Um, But issue one was like very by the numbers. Again, I haven't read it yet, but just the... I just hate the design of the main character, if that makes sense. Like, just from the, from the like, Hellfire Gala appearance as well. Like, it just... 
it just really shouts like i mean what you said nick like here's the coolest guy i can think of like and is way cooler than everyone else and he just looks like dr strange with a better haircut too yes (laughs) and then he acts like john constantine so it's like like right now it feels like i'm being served more of the same and i i hope my hope is that i'm eating my words and i'm like no you have to read the the stereotype because that is something hickman is constantly talking about in his work i wouldn't be shocked if this was about continuity in some way or the way that that comics exist um and he's doing this this trope in order to to then like dissect it and go into it in a way that's actually interesting but like in this first issue you don't get that uh invincible iron man number 10 uh written by jerry duggan art uh by juan frigeri and colors by brian valenza thank you for adding those in nick um Phelong organizes an attack on Rhodey in prison but it's stopped by sandman and the living laser who have been hired to protect him by the kingpin we see the proposal between Emma and Tony again with added telepathic context and they head to Vegas to get married. Uh, before the wedding, Tony breaks into a stain factory and steals machinery and during the wedding, Emma enters Fei Long's mind so they can retrieve the information they need from him. Afterwards, they wipe his memories and leave discussing Mysterium. He's gonna make a suit entirely out of Mysterium. <laughs> I guess. I don't. Yeah, sure. It's pretty cool. I don't, it'll. Yeah, but it's like, Phalong's not magic, and Mysterium's <laughs> like anti magic. I guess it's like it's good in all the other ways as well. It's like better than graphite at conducting. It's the best and it's, metal ever made. Yeah. Well, except it's not as hard as adamantium because you have to keep adamantium special. And it um, doesn't vibrate as good as vibranium. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this is uh, this is a kind of, like, issue with, like, I guess the post-modern uh, age of... Or, like, I guess especially with Marvel continuity is that if you've been going for, like, this long, uh, coming up with new, like, MacGuffins is going to be, like, diminishing returns. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's so many, only so many spaces you can explore in, and then... You have to repeat yourself, and then assholes like us are asking you to dissect why you're repeating <laughs> yourself. I, it's like power creep spread so yes. wide that it's applying to metals. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like RuneScape. You, you have to keep yeah. inventing new metals on top that are more powerful. Yeah, it's it's a weird space that Marvel like bought itself into, where like. Different materials are now. I don't know. Here's the thing about this wedding heist. I think it's pretty wild that the whole thing hinges on Feilong will want to show up to the wedding as the only guest because he is not invited and I explicitly told him not to. Yeah, I, it doesn't... I don't know if that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess it worked, but... <laughs> There's a weird mix between Fei Long being like, oh, we're, we're gonna, like, 
you should turn around and join Orcus now. And he's sort of like, he's like, uh, he's rubbing it in that he's won to Tony. And he's also sort of being like, oh, we're friends now. Like, you should join yes. Orcus. And like, it's just a weird, um, like he, he's coming at it from two different angles and they don't make sense as happening at the same time. Um, it's really funny that uh, like t Tony gets uh, Tony was about to kill Fei Long and he gets stopped and then he has to turn around and immediately stop Emma. <laughs> yeah. It's just like adding that on, like the the like added context of or like adding stuff onto the scene we saw last issue yes. is funny. I like the the telepathic conversation that we we didn't have that last time yeah no yeah um it's just like oh yeah that's that's really fun and also that tony has to like go begging to kingpin in the same way because kingpin needs to have power over people i i i was a little annoyed that i complained about the emma stuff being in that issue and then they put it in this issue again one for one <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, just just leave it in this one. It doesn't just don't yeah, yeah put some other stuff in the other one. It's fine. I'm not mad about it. Yeah, I wonder if it's because they wanted to do the double cover. I on think both, yeah, it's, or to it's like a double cover maneuver. And also to to like again like over explain all the context for people who aren't reading both books. For people who only read the Iron Man comic, which is, again, a type of person I'm having trouble imagining. Don't worry, they exist. They're out oh, there. Oh, they for sure exist. Oh, there was a... There, <laughs> the people who are buying the uh, Iron Man NFT Funko Pop. Yeah, it's those no. people. <laughs> evil, evil sentence. I don't want to. Tony Stark would make NFTs, is the thing. So Marvel thinks they can get away with it because Tony Stark would do it. But that doesn't mean you should be doing that, Mark. It feels like this, like, shady, like, company that makes these just gave Marvel a ton of money and they were like, we can't not take that. Yeah, it's like some system for legal money laundering with, like, fake technology attached to it, basically. It's just the most, like, it's just such an absurd concept that this, like, tech CEO was like, uh, we want to, we were trying to come up with a way how we can make NFTs also exist in the physical space, so that's why we're making a Funko Pop. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Like, the the thing that only that you that originally was invented as like a digit digital thing, it only exists on the blockchain, and that's why you need to have it. So you have digital real estate, but now you have physical so real estate in your own bedroom of a Tony Stark, yes, uh, Funko Pop ripoff. What if I, it also I, I looks just, like complete shit. Yeah. I can just have one of the like I can just have a guy <laughs> that doesn't have an NFT attached. I went I was just like 
bored one day and like in this in the city near where i live and walked around like walmart target gamestop just to see if they had like x-men stuff because i was curious you can go and get like action figures of more interesting x-men <laughs> right now than than iron man yeah in in the store you could get iron man too he's there too i forgot we were honestly talking about him um, <laughs> but like you can you can go to the GameStop and get a Magneto helmet right now. You got the toys are out there. You don't need to be getting oh, yeah. an NFT. I saw, with a, it. and this was just like in a in a normal toy store. I saw like a Jean Grey Phoenix like action figure that looked pretty cool. Um, and then also saw like a shitty Wolverine. <laughs> oh yeah. No, oh, he was nice. You can still get the gloves that his claws come out. Yeah. I saw those. You can get Wolverine gloves with the claws right now. That's pretty cool. That's I, I like bet some kids poked poked some poked their brother's eye out with those oh, or something. For sure. yes. At least one ER visit has happened because of that toy, for sure. <laughs> Did you have like when I was a when I was a kid, like every like every every class had that one kid who had like a Star Wars lightsaber that was like either one where the thing like actually came out or it was just a stick that was glowing. Uh, I I had two. I had uh, I think I had like Anakin's and Obi Wan's or something. <laughs> Got them for Christmas one year. It was probably right yeah, they after, would always like, tell you like they would always tell you which character it is. I, like, you know, it's very you know, important. The, the lightsabers yes. are very different, you know. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, I was that kid. Yeah. Yeah, the cool kids had the red ones. <laughs> no, I also had like a Darth Maul piggy bank that whenever you put in coins, it would uh, it would do the like and uh, say some lines from the film. Darth Maul is the most like character who was invented to have action figures of. I think that's like not even like not even like being cynical. Like that was like the reason why George Lucas came up with him. And it worked. He was it my worked. favorite character in existence for like ten years. It fucking worked. Like I've seen like I've seen people in like full Darth Maul cosplays like five years ago like rel- pretty recently like it still works well <laughs> he also had he was in Clone Wars and was very important there so he had like a resurgence in the like 2018 or something so uh, well which was also because they knew he was cool and they wanted to keep him going anyway Faylong we do the Faylong heist <laughs> um, anyways back to comics um does anyone else the line where they're in the car Uh and Tony's like please ditch that X chain before you're photographed in it and then Emma says don't worry I just found it in one of my coats it was a gift from Forge I think there will be no more of it and I don't that line reads really weird to me and there was something there was some other line in one of the other books I don't remember which 
that just it felt like they needed another editing pass this week mm. and with all of the compressed books i'm a bit like and also that she's just like wearing the necklace so that she can go oh yes i'll put it away and then i'll yeah. show it to you later like I, I don't know it's just weird it is she looks cool the great great dress though how do and, you guys like, feel about Fei Long's backstory that his parents were mutants and I don't care him and he just sucks because <laughs> I think that yeah I don't care yeah I I didn't know that we were like I I kind of if you had told me we heard Fei Long's backstory twenty issues ago which I think we heard his whatever fake backstory but I would have just I don't know I I didn't think that was a thing we needed or. Yeah, I don't think we Still need have it to get. either, and I think it's it's chill that it's just like he sucks. But I hope I hope there's not further extrapolation on it because I think that's as much as we need. Yeah, I hope they don't go like find his parents or whatever, and then that they like use him to use them to guilt him or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's like. 40 years old. We don't need to get his parents involved in the rest of the story. Yeah. He doesn't need to have us call home on him. Yeah, and like... (laughs) Bigot's parents are actually the thing they're bigoted against. It's just such a lame... It it is a bad trope. It's it's so... It's been so treaded. (laughs) It kind of feels like, you know... The homophobe is secretly gay nearly yes it's, it's not pretty like close it's, it's yeah. not quite the same but it's like I just, yeah the homophobe was raised by two women or two men is like kind of what the closest real world parallel that would make sense could be but i don't know it doesn't have to have a real world parallel to still be kind of dumb I also kind of think it's dumb that Howard Stark was about to find Mysterium or was like trying to find Mysterium because it feels like like I I have not read enough Iron Man comics to fully know if I'm just talking about my ass here but my sort of understanding is that for a long time Howard Stark was just like an abusive father who was like didn't have enough time for his son and was kind of a piece of shit. And then there's been a lot of retcons that he was involved in, like the Captain America project. And he was like involved in all this old science shit. And then that's why he was so busy was because he was making Captain America. He was doing something heroic. And like, he was like killed by the winter soldier and you know, all this stuff. And I just kind of think it sucks to make him into like a, a loving parent who was just too busy when, like, I don't know. It, it it was more interesting when he was just a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, the softening of characters, like that's that's another thing that runs parallel in large universes like this to power creep is is everyone just gets nicer over time because we want to keep having them around. Yeah. Yeah, Howard Stark is also, like, one of those guys that Hickman is, like, fucking around with a lot. Like, 
he loves to add like a bunch of like stuff with how Stark and Nathaniel read. <laughs> it's I don't know. I don't really care. I, don't, I just don't really care about like Tony Stark lore, to be honest. Like, yeah, I think the thing that I was thinking about a lot this week and was am kind of annoyed about within this like event is how it's just a big commercial for other like series you know and other parts of the marvel universe and that's fine like yeah i understand having those and like the desire to have those within like a shared universe and also like a company that's trying to sell comics i'm not i'm it's not going over my head these facts but of course it's it's kind of tiresome to read when it's like all at once like in every every book almost i guess i may be being a little dramatic but it felt like it <laughs> to me this week <laughs> yeah i mean x-men definitely is a fantastic four add a bit yes. but it's a good one so and then x x force you're going to see doctor strange in and like realm of x is kind of just like remember there's norse things going on in marvel yeah i know at this point i can't tell if the x line is like supposed to be like if if it's the flagship of marvel and that's why they're making ads for the other shit or if it's failing and that's why i think it's the flagship based on like like available data that i've seen which is just yeah like best-selling lists on like itunes and 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 nook is like amazon or whatever um but i at the same time like i don't know i just like hate commercials and it does yeah. it did it did start to feel a little bit like a commercial to me this week um especially after hulk wolverine a couple weeks ago and ghost rider wolverine like yeah yes. right before that which was was worse than most of these things like and i think uh, wolverine is gonna i mean especially wolverine is i guess because it's it's the best it's the best selling one but that seems to be on a streak of like crossovers because i think the next one is gonna be like captain america or some shit yeah i think so if if, if the x books are about to compress after this in event right to be like a a smaller event is what it looks like and then it's going to be something else entirely yeah this uh, this does seem like the last best chance to do all these sorts of advertising for like the krakoan era when like the x-men have been so isolated and create space for stories that are more integrated between like these different sets of characters and i'm sure that's like what marvel wants if like they're going to start doing movies and shows about the mm-hmm. x-men you know yeah so it's very understandable like i i, I can see why all this is happening uh, yeah i guess if mutants are supposed to become part of the mcu they want to show off that no, the X-Line does take place in the same universe as all our other shit. Please look at all these uh, Avengers characters that are in... Uh, and Fantastic Fours that are in the X-Books. But I don't know. I feel like the the idea of, like, enforcing or, like, showing connections of the X-Books with the larger Marvel universe isn't bad at all, but it feels... It feels odd that it's like happening so much at this late stage. 
Like this should be like a last hurrah for the Krakow era. And it's like, as you say, Nick, it feels like commercials for the other shit. Like you could have done this like earlier. <laughs> yeah. And when it was starting, like when, when the Hellfire Gal happened and all the first issue, we were in the round of first issues of these event books. Like it felt like we're at war times. We're on the down low. Like, we are being forced to work in these small numbers and that felt like more like reasonable than now in kind of round two where it's like i get they're reaching out to allies but it, they're, they're not being necessarily subtle about it like i love the bit in x-men and i'm sure we'll talk about it later with like the flying car but like that's also like so suspect like you guys are hiding in morlock tunnels but you're taking the flying car out yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think I mean this this is this is going to be this is going to be more part of the X-Men discussion like of the main yeah, X-Men book yeah. discussion but I wish like cuz the the Reed Richards the Charles White Reed Richards memories thing came up like way earlier in the Hellfire Galas and I wish that had been like dealt with or like I wish Reed had been like more of a part of the X stuff like earlier, like doing that, like setting that up as like this big important storyline and then dealing with it like in one issue like this late just doesn't yeah. really work. There was some X-Men stuff in Dan Slott's Final uh, Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I really keep thinking and almost saying Final Fantasy. <laughs> Final uh, which... Fantasy Four. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's already a thing. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> so, but like, because the whole thing was, you know, um, Franklin is has been subconsciously pretending to be a mutant the whole time, um, which everyone hated that recon, and like, because it was like a thing where, like, he had been going to Krakoa and like getting to be a part of mutant culture and like getting to know people. And then it was like the next issue, professor X was like, no, you're not allowed because you were faking. Um, which just kind of sucks. And yeah, like, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's lame. I don't know. It, it also doesn't line up with like, <laughs> Jug- juggernaut, you're letting juggernaut on. Like, yeah. <laughs> if if someone has been a mutant their entire life, they're a mutant even if it was reality warping DNA some bullshit. Like, I don't know. It just eh, feels gross. But like there is that bit of a link for the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. Uh, but I haven't actually read that run, so I don't know how often it came up outside of those like couple of issues mm-hmm. um, but my understanding is basically it was just like one issue they were like oh yeah Franklin has been on Krakoa and then next issue was Franklin is no longer allowed to be on Krakoa <laughs> no Krakoa's for Franklin I, I I really don't like that yeah and it's like a character that's existed for, <laughs> for so long like 40 years he was in he- Days of Future Past yeah. Yeah. He's a Claire. Is he originally a Claremont character? I mean, we should 
if we did research on this podcast, we could look it up, but we don't have to. He was born a bit before that, because I think there's the X, the X-Men have some interaction with the Fantastic Four when Franklin's being born, I think. Okay. Because I've read that issue. I don't know. Nah, maybe I'm wrong. But and it's also, um, I don't know, pe- people had complaints at the time as well, because it felt like a very again, obviously doesn't have an actual real-world analog, but sort of akin to, like, oh, you've you've been saying you're gay, but you're actually bisexual or something. You know, like, the way people mm-hmm. talk about faking things that have just changed over time, or, you know, people who... Yeah. I don't know. Just has some sort of nasty angles you can come at it from, even if... yeah. That obviously wasn't the intent, but it's just yeah. Yeah, I don't not a fan of that. I mean just hearing the words Dan Slot's Fantastic Four, I really don't want to read that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that is, so oh, I don't always I'm such I'm so bad at keeping track of writers and artists, I'm trying to get better at it. He's the guy who wrote Spider Man for ten years. Um and, also, and they still keep, still can't keep him away from Spider-Man. <laughs> He's like doing spectacular Spider-Man, or I don't know, just regular Spider-Man or something. Like I think it's the not amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, adjectival Spider-Man and also Spider-Boy. Yeah, <sighs> I don't know. How do we like this? Because <laughs> I don't know. This was a fun like. It was a fun issue. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy the wedding heist, but it just keeps... It's slow. It's very slow. Yes, and it keeps adding to the thing that, like, to this general feeling I have, I've been having for this Fall of X era, is that just a lot of, a lot of things just don't live up to their promise in, in their payoffs. Like, it's just for... For like teasing how like yes this this wedding is gonna change everything and it's gonna be like something else going on and you know I don't know it was just stealing something out of Feilong's brain is just not really that exciting to me. Yeah, stop telling me it's gonna change everything. I know you have to as a company that's like advertising shit and there's like different people advertising than writing the book or whatever, but. I fall for it every time. Yes. Stop stop and, tricking me. <laughs> and it's like the Hellfire Gala did deliver on that. Oh, the Hellfire Gala was incredible. It was a great book. Like that was so good and that set set the expectation so high for all this other shit, but I I feel like once like once we got the announcement of uh, this like dual um, fall of the house of X rise of the powers of X thing happening I think that just kind of made the whole fall of X like the stretch between the hellfire gala and uh, rise we gotta come up with a with a shorter name, Rise and Fall. I'm gonna say Rise and Fall, the dual Rise and Fall series. Um, uh, rock, rocks, Fox, Rocks, Fox. 
it just made the whole stretch between Hellfire Gala and Rocks Fox seem like relatively stakeless to me. Like Kieran Gillen is still doing cool stuff in Immortal, and the uh, Areco stuff is so far away that it's basically removed from everything else. But the main plot just seems relatively stakeless when we know the actual big thing is gonna happen during that like mini event, I guess. Yeah. Um, we should we should probably we should move, move on, on to, to a second book. book. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about something else. Yes. <laughs> we just don't have that much to say about Invincible Iron Man ten, so we went on several. Yeah, tangents. I mean, <laughs> we went on really long, and this is like supposed to be like the plot heavy stuff but yeah i i like it was it was a fun issue i just yeah it was fun to read like it was it was well issues this week even though i've made it sound like i don't like several times you know i did not (laughs) (laughs) miss marvel the new mutant 2 uh written by iman volani and sabir pirzada um with art by carlos gomez and Adam Gorham, um, and color by Eric Arcienega. Um, Kamala tells Bruno about her dreams, and he makes a plan to deal with them. After an anti-mutant protest on campus, Kamala's comms are noticed, and she's attacked by drones. Iron Man helps her fight them off, but a small one lands on her head to be activated when she sleeps. Bruno makes a machine to monitor her dreams, and she is able to communicate with Dr. Surfer when she falls asleep. Yep. We now get... The, you know, the most important thing in this issue is that we now get Dr. Surfer named, like, in comic, which... Not just makes on Marvel Wiki. Surfer. Yeah, which makes, which makes it a lot less funny to me to call him <laughs> Dr. Surfer. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I liked it when it wasn't his real name, but it's yeah. still not his real name. But it's not as funny now that it's been on the page. You're right. Yes. I think Bruno is a love interest now. Maybe <laughs> and that's on yeah. the table, and we said he wouldn't be, and we were. We I might think... be wrong. This I, this is like sixty percent, sixty seventy percent. Bruno's the love interest. For I sure. think. My big thing to say about this issue is I th- I think this book has like the 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 shipper's energy that Marvel books don't have and <laughs> like I think it kind of rocks like um Nikita and Omega Sentinel there's some like toxic Yuri going on there um like the Bruno and <laughs> Kamala falling asleep next to each other, mm-hmm. and the the roommate like, oh, you just, you need me to leave you alone. Um, like the Emma Tony stuff where they're like flirting way more than they have in either of the other books. Like, there's just yeah. Um, there's I an think... energy here that I really enjoy. That like feels very appropriate for Miss Marvel, yes. the character who grew up writing fanfic and shipping people. Uh, it, rocks. it does feel it does feel like a it feels like a teen drama. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. Like a like like a teen te- like a teen like a uh, high school drama TV show where the characters are like on and off again and uh 
and everyone is like, oh, they should be together, but they're not, right? Uh, or they, I'm sure. They're, I mean, I don't, I don't know which one of you was like uh, in the first Miss Marvel issue, like they shouldn't be together, but yeah, I mean, I, I have no, uh, I have no stake in this game, uh, but yeah, I, mean, I don't, I, I am fine with it either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I I think I agreed with you in that episode, but I'm not I'm not Yeah, I mean and if the I I still don't think this is very like I think it's like them being cute together and them, you know, the classic we're not no, we're friends. But like if if they keep being cute together, it'll be better than like any of the other romance that they've had, <laughs> so I, I'd be fine with it then. But like, yeah, it's it, it's it's working better here. Um, so yeah, and I think this is a fun like Miss Marvel issue. I don't, I don't like Emma and Tony in this. Like, I think their voices feel way off to me. In a way, I can't really explain. Like, Emma doesn't seem like Emma at all, and Tony is just, like, the corny dad. He's way quippier than he should be. Like, Yeah. And also, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be saying all that. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in front of a teenager. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, it's a funny thing, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't fully feel, like, on brand for them. He's just doing, Tony is just doing the DreamWorks smirk, like, in every <laughs> panel he's in. Yeah. I, that's too much. And then at the same time, Emma just feels, like, way too cold and cruel. It's it's definitely an older version of Emma. Like, Emma does not get written that way, but she used to all the time. And I could understand it as, like, she feels she has to be cold to make sure that these realities sink in for Kamala and like it's the the truth of what's going on is like very important but it just doesn't yeah it doesn't read as like the Emma we've been seeing for the past years I mean I guess it is kind of consistent with uh what's happened in some other like or after some other tragic X-Men events like I was reading Academy of X this week and uh in that one after like the the events of the decimation um she like gets real militant with the kids real quick so i guess it's like yeah consistent in a way um and she's definitely being like less awful about it than she was in academy of x but at the same time like this is not the i don't think this is as consistent as it should be with the emma we've been seeing recently yeah yeah um art's really good it's just like very a lot of like like uh, cute cute sounds dismissive but it is very cute and like <laughs> obviously very well drawn looks good but yeah it fits the tone very well the the fanfic energy is obviously going to be off the charts next Oh, the next, next issue, issue is going to be infected yeah. with it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see Gala, Gala Spider Boy and Captain Karachi and Hulky the Hedgehog, 
and Six Foot Wolverine, which is the funniest of those, that, like, one of her fanfics was just, what if Wolverine was tall? Yeah. Well, she doesn't have Hugh Jackman Wolverine in her world like we do, so... Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask if that's like a reference to like how he was portrayed in the movies. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I think it might just be a joke about him being short and not it's, like deeper than it's, that. It's but good. it could be. Yeah, it's a good joke. Yeah. Um, I liked the bit where she's like wandering through the protest, where uh, she says in like her thought bubble, "There's nothing else I can do except let hate win." I thought that was a good line, um, especially for the moment, and we know she's going to be able to, like, actually do shit later, so, like, that's that's a nice little moment. Alright, can we move on to the next one? Yes. I think this is, yeah, this is a fun Realm book, but it's, like, not very interesting in, like, X and book terms, I guess. And we're on terms, a time limit this week, so... Yeah, we gotta finish in time for the battle. I'm, yeah, I mean I it's it might be fine because because uh, there's a there's like a computer in the hotel that you can use for like business calls or whatever. <laughs> so if probably would have uh, to. I don't know. Yeah, we, we might be we might be fine, uh, but we'll see if Caroline says anything. So yeah, um, I'm sure we can. We, we, there's a lot of issues anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, we should, still, yeah. we should still keep short. Uh, as to Realm of X, I guess I can read this uh, description. Um, Realm of X 2 by Torrin Grunbeck and art by Diogenes Neves. Neves, I don't know how it's pronounced. Uh, color by Rainberido. The mutants continue to search for Curse and the way to leave Vanaheim. Saturnine begins to convince Curse that she should help with some grand ritual that they need to complete, which she secretly believes will kill Curse. The four prophesied mutants break into the citadel as magic leaves the camp and sets off by herself. I still think Gramovex sucks. <laughs> I liked this issue a lot more than I liked the first issue, um, and I think the third issue is going to be a lot better. Like, they've gotten so much setup out of the way. It's gotta all be action in the next one. But I thought the setup sure worked better so. in this one than in <laughs> the first one. It's like, I, I don't think it's bad, but it is the one that I most sort of skimmed, or like, read. You want to start skimming because it's too wordy. That is like a major issue with this book, but I also like yes. this book a lot, I think. <laughs> so, I'm not like, I'm not coming for its throat, but I like Realm of X. I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> I love the shit that's going on with Curse. Um, I think Curse's story is really good. I like that, like, Curse, you know, fucked up the portal. But, like, uh... The fact, the fact that there were multiple different people fucking with the portals that night, like mm-hmm. um, Orcus and Mother Righteous separately and Curse accidentally kind of, is just funny that like, oh Jesus lads it was just a mess, like we all thought we were doing something and like it was probably part of Mother Righteous's plans to have like some of these mutants in in uh, no place, no when. Uh, but she just she she probably also got slightly fucked over by curse, just like 
Yeah, this book is like also very fan fictiony in a different way than the Miss Marvel one was, though, because you get like uh, the un un inappropriate romance that's not that inappropriate, but <laughs> you know, like between Typhoid Mary and this uh, this Vanaheim man, the the Duke or whatever he is, um. Because she can't be into him because she's married to the Kingpin. We don't really know anything about their relationship. Aside from that, the Kingpin is really into it now. Which is like, he's got yeah. a history of being a possessive person. So it, I think uh, that has... The, the relationship in, in Chip Starsky's Daredevil is like... it's Oh, it's uh, more fleshed out? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's like okay, a okay. big part of that. And it's like, yeah... Like Kingpin being willing to sort of step away from stuff because he's uh, he's like actually in love with Typhoid Mary and like is actually a wife guy these days, you know. Yeah. Um, like I think obviously, uh, previous versions of this relationship have been that sort of possessive, bad version, and like there's there's no guarantee that it doesn't become that. But like at the moment, the sort of the the reading that I would have is that there is like it's genuine love, or you know, as genuine as two supervillain weirdos can be. But like there there hasn't really been anything that I can remember to imply otherwise. Um, but I th I thought that was was written pretty well, and then like I I dug the fight scene with uh, Mero and Danny a lot. Um, yeah, they're both looking Saria cool. comes and inter interrupts. Yeah, that was sick. Typhoid Mary looks real hot in the one panel at the end, like near the end where they're making their plan to leave. I'm trying to like just get through all my notes quick because I know <laughs> we want to move on to other books and you guys aren't as into it as me. Yeah, or as I am, and I don't have Holly to bounce off of right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have like any like additional criticisms to like the first issue. It just doesn't work for me at all. Like this uh, fantasy realm doesn't seem unique or interesting in any way. Yeah, and it doesn't have any stakes necessarily to the, the larger plot yes. as a whole, which is like what the focus of what we want to talk about is to begin with. So that takes away from it. Yes. And that can be like that can be like a plus for these like mini series if it's like self-contained, but it's just I think this is a bit too like you know, like, if, again, like, if you were a casual reader, I don't see what you would get out of this. Like, even if you're, even if you're a big fan of magic, like, because I feel like she's the most popular character in this book, she doesn't really get to do a lot. Like, she's, she's still completely out of it. So, uh, there's that and then it's like mostly Typhoid Mary and Curse which like the Curse stuff is the one that like works most I guess uh, the Typhoid Mary plot I just yeah I just don't care about it I don't know 
Yeah, and I think like the this world's whole deal is like they've rejected magic, but they base all of their decisions within the world on prophecy, which is a type of magic. Um and that seems interesting, like that sort of um like contradiction, but we don't know any of the characters actually tied to the world. And so like yeah, there's not a huge reason for us to care. Um, I do think it's funny that they just left all of their magic in a well in a castle and expected no one evil to show up and just take it. Uh, um, I kind of think it's a little bit of a bummer if they've gone back to calling Dust Dust and not Congregation. Like, she started being called in um, Legion of X. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, And the cover for this one rules. Uh, it's a Stephanie Hans cover. It's yeah, the house. covers are the stuff in your hands. Covers are so good, and then the rest of the art, I the faces are drawn so weird. Like I don't, I don't know. know I what's like up the art here. in this one a lot more than the first one. I thought it, it looked really good. I I, I think, think like in the first one there was some like awkwardness going on, but I think in this one they're start like uh who's the artist? Diogen, Diogenes Neves. Di- yeah, Diogenes uh, Neves. I think they're like have a much better handle on how they see the characters in this one, and they're not making as many um, like inconsistencies as in the first one. Like I thought, it, I think it, like it was improved and like really good. Yeah, I think like in the grand scale, like the you know compositions are, are fine. I just like. Most some of the facial expressions look so off to me. Like here's this face from Magic. Yeah, uh, that one's a little bit awkward. I, that's, it's the case with like almost every book, though. Here's another one from Mary. I feel like that's something that I notice a lot more on this book than the others. Like it feels unfinished, uh, or I don't know if there was like if there's if it's like. Well, they don't list an inker, so if if the if the artist did pencils and ink as well, I don't know, yeah, I just... think that means they're doing double duty. Yeah, it feels it feels rushed or unfinished, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I disagree. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I, I don't have like fine, basically <laughs> like... aggressive. I don't have like ways to necessarily like dissuade what you're yeah. saying, but I I like it. I think it looks good. <laughs> The faces feel a little nineties to me, or something. Like I, I don't know how to quantify that, <laughs> but uh, and like especially that the big the page where um, Marrow is like posed up and she's extruding the bones. Her and uh, Danny both have very like. Yeah, I'm gonna get you. They're like, like grit teeth. It looks <laughs> yeah. Sick, yeah. Um, <laughs> And it feels like this is the the cover of a like X Force issue from nineteen ninety eight or something, um, mm-hmm. which I, I like the look of, <laughs> but it's kind of a little different from the usual house house style sort of. <laughs> Uh, so Jean Grey issue two, uh, written by Louis Simonson, uh, art by Bernard Chang, and uh, color by Marcelo Maiolo. 
Uh, Jean jumps back to a new point in her past. The, shuttle, the space shuttle crash which led to the Phoenix inhabiting her. Instead of piloting the shuttle herself, she lets Wolverine pilot, and as he's being hurt by the radiation, she sees all of his memories, including the previously blocked ones. Um, the Phoenix inhabits Logan, and he sets off to Canada for revenge against Weapon X, followed by Jean and Scott. He's able to let go of the power after killing everyone, but it passes to Cyclops, who wants to die rather than be consumed by it. Logan kills Scott and then kills himself with the Phoenix Force, and present Jean considers another inflection point to visit, the Inferno. Um, this, um, I, I went back and read the like issue of uh, this, the like Jean in the space shuttle again. Uh, it's just like it's so good, and uh, this like recaptures it. Um, like there's so many there's a lot of moments in Claremont X-Men that are like the the hero saying I don't know if I can do this I don't know if I have the strength to keep going but I have to because the people I love are in danger and it's like the simplest idea of what like heroism is but it just hits every time <laughs> and uh <laughs> This is like the 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 space shuttle is like one of the big moments for that, um, and I think the bit of like Jean recognizing that Wolverine is also willing to like die for them, even though he doesn't he doesn't trust them yet fully. Yeah, and he doesn't like know them as well, but he like he that like goodness in him is really cool. Um, yeah, I think Wolverine is like, you know, he becomes the most special guy later, but I think Wolverine in those like early Claremont issues is just really good. Like at the point where he's like this mysterious stranger, nobody even knows his name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like this this issue is before the X Men know that he has a healing factor. Yes, like. <laughs> Gene, Gene has to, or he has to tell Gene because it's like 10 issues later when they're in the savage land yeah. and he gets his like arm bitten <laughs> by a dinosaur and he's like, don't worry about it, toots, I heal up quick. Like, it rocks. Um, and it's also, it's, you know, Gene, Gene, Logan, ship, like, sort of making that that connection as important a part of her life or not uh, like an important part of her life in the same way that Scott is, which is interesting to have like, again, a, a, a writer who, who was working on these books at the time and like going back and sort of making adding it in there and saying like obviously there was always Wolverine was flirting with Jean but like that there is that important connection and they do work work well together and they have a a psychic rapport which I'd love to love to see that brought up because nobody calls uh, it's like the only thing they call psychic communication back in Claremont era they're like, oh, my, my psychic rapport. 
<laughs> and it just never it never comes up anymore and I think it's really funny to bring it back up here like because it's how she would have talked back then you know yeah yeah I I thought this was a really good issue I oh yeah this is fantastic yeah the, I gone I forgot what I was gonna say so you might <laughs> no I mean just gonna add on like what Kiwi said is that the love triangle is just characterized so well like establishing like both her connections with uh scott as well as with logan and then also like whatever is going on between logan and scott like yeah it, it and really it's doing some gone? fixing a little bit because like yes. the way the wolverine's interest in gene comes across back then is like misogynistic it's not great great. it fucking sucks he like grabs her and kisses her and then she says stop and he says you liked it and like that is that's awful um but like they towards the end of claremont stuff which i'm reading right now like in the um extinction agenda arc uh gene and logan get locked in a cell together and that's when they have like what it read to me is like probably their most romantic moment they've actually shared between each other um and like this reminded me of that like and was infused with like a more genuine energy than a lot of those early scenes come across so it's nice uh based on what kiwi saying you know bouncing off that like um to get that from like the editor at the time and one of the other writers at the time because she was writing gene on x-factor like pretty soon after this yeah there's a really good like both simonson and uh, bernard chang uh do such a great job of showing how like genes like telepathic read works like these these panels where this one panel where she like gets all of wolverine's backstory in one and it's like this glass breaking and showing all these different like aspects of him and like the weapon x facility and these you know all these other characters in his life like with like wolverine's tortured face in the background i think it's it's also like a still has a good emphasis on scott for like a like um, like in in the original issue, this is a very like it feels like a very important Scott and Jean moment as well because I think it's the first time that Scott says he loves her or something, or like and you know she has to knock him out to stop him from like doing it himself because he would die, and like there's there's some good lines about like Jean she's like mean mind reading everyone and she's like oh scott my like you you hide all these massive emotions behind this like stoic facade and you're always feeling so much but you're like trying to hold it in which is how i've always or it's like it's probably influenced by it but it's like how i've read scott as like he's someone who is very very emotional but he's like has to hold it in he feels and like at lit the like gene gray funeral after dark phoenix there's a bit where he's like 
in his thought bubble. It's like I'm I've I've never felt like worse in my entire life. I'm like my I'm I'm ripped apart. I don't know how I'll be able to go on. And then it's like Gene's parents come over and he's like, I'm I'm so sorry for your loss. This must be even harder for you than it is for me. And like he and just Gene's like parents suck, so they're like, eh. Nah, it's a nice moment though. It's like he Yeah, no, that doesn't actually happen. <laughs> he he always has these moments of like having to put his own emotions second and for the good of the team. And this is one of the times where he puts his emotions first and like really shows them. Um and it rocks. And uh then he like he's kind of a dick to Wolverine. <laughs> for like the whole rest of the issue which yeah again fits with the time very because like wolverine was the asshole who kept questioning everything scott was doing yeah. and like being weird to gene like it's fair um but he is really like oh yeah i'm just willing to blast this guy I yeah. like, <laughs> i'm, I'm gonna I fucking love... kill him i would love to kill him is what he says i <laughs> love the sicko shit that's going on here in the second half of the uh, in the back half of this issue with like the the whole sequence of scott blasting wolverine the phoenix taking him over like blowing off his uh his shades uh him like holding back his like laser kissing gene and then at the bottom of the panel there's the snicked <laughs> yeah and then on the on the page turn wolverine just like obliterates him and his skeleton like you see his like, skeleton in the explosion it looks yeah. great every time they do that <laughs> Yeah, he obliterates he obliterates Scott and then immediately himself because he's like that's the only way. Uh, it's sick, <laughs> and it's also just like funny. But yes. It's just like I I gotta get him and I gotta fucking get myself. I'm out. And it performs the purpose that like Simonson has set Gene up for having within the issue, like where she's she's not just asking at the beginning like what did what if Wolverine took on this um, responsibility? She's also asking, what if I let Scott take on this responsibility instead of myself? And so in this one storyline, Simonson has found a way to answer that question, both those questions um, satisfyingly without us having to like repeat from the beginning of the story with uh, Gene giving Scott the Phoenix instead of Wolverine or whatever, you know? Excited to see what's up with the Inferno. Uh, oh yeah for sure i can't wait <laughs> i'm so pumped like the question is kind of can can gene afford to let other people can she she afford to trust other people with the power that she has and the answer is no like she is the person who can handle it she's the person who can deal with it which is also a bit like can gene trust the world to keep going without her Ca like she is dead well dead or er, like quotation marks but she like could just give up and go back or you know go up to the waiting room or whatever but the question is can if if she did that would 
would things go well? And the answer is no. She passes on her responsibility. It will it will not go well. So she needs to it's obviously gonna feed into her coming back in Immortal next issue and uh, having a, a newfound purpose and maybe being in a place yeah, that is familiar to her. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be normal. <laughs> There's an interesting line here um, at the beginning. Um, I don't, I'm not even looking at the book. I just wrote it down for later. Um, but it said, why had it been so hard to admit I didn't have all the answers? Um, it's when she's first contemplating like what happened and why she chose to be the Phoenix. And it'll be interesting to see um, if that comes up again with her current decision making and whether or not she's coming back or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I also thought my last thought on Jean Grey, cause I don't have much more to say about this issue. I don't know if you guys do, but I thought Wolverine looked real fucking cool when he was the Phoenix with all the spikes coming out of him. I love the spikes. <laughs> I think it's like, it's too much for me personally, but I, I respect <laughs> it. <laughs> Um, like I think if the spikes were like more uniform it would work better for me if it it was more like maybe like Marrow's deal yeah because he just has like a random one like coming out of his scalp and like one out of his like the other side of his head and it just kind of looks nasty but that's that's what it's like it works as that it's just not for me yeah I think it's a good way to signify that like that his growth as like uh his his mutant power overtaking himself and causing those growths um are not in his control and it's it's good to show that in how random they are i think a little bit oh yeah yeah i think it's a good design choice yeah yeah i think it works like i think the i think the art is just like incredible in yeah it's so good uh and i mean I, I think Bernard Chang is like pretty well established, so it's not like surprising or anything. It's not, but it's just it's just so per- like this. Even this like this final panel with the Inferno outfit, which I generally dislike. Like it's a horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's yeah. pretty bad, but it still looks good in this art. Yeah, the the colors are doing a lot of work as well. Like it's gorgeously like shaded and stuff immortal x-men 16 written by kieran gillen um art by lucas wernack and color by david curiel on krakoan shaw and Celine attack xavier directly but he is able to turn them against each other and make them leap he's confused when shaw talks about him killing people and finds a message from sinister in a lab in the desert thanks to mother righteous's help the mutants are able to survive on the Atlantic Krakoa and find the missing members of the Five, regaining resurrection powers. Hope and Exodus leave to investigate another vision from Righteous and find Jean Grey alive but stuck in visions of the past and a version of Apocalypse. It is revealed that the desert is the White Hot Room. Okay. Yay, we called it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's there's the it's it's a sort of classic 
comics thing, I feel like, but there's the bit at the start where Apocalypse is like, oh, you've been in the danger room? Well, this is the most dangerous room of all. (laughs) Oh, confirmed, it's the white hot room. And then at the end, it's like, hope, hope, hope just says, hey, it's the white hot room. (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, well, of course. Hey, this is where my grandma goes when she dies. (laughs) Yep. And she's here. Um, this is the last issue with Lucas Warnack. Oh, is uh, it? Kieran Gern, yeah, he Kieran Gern confirmed it in his newsletter that this is. Yeah, the, I saw that. This is the last Warnack one before he moves on to House of the Fall of Fall of the House of X. Yeah. Okay. Fox Hawks. Because it was Hawks. like. Uh, we, we didn't have Lucas Wernick last time, and, and yeah. that art was still fine, or was still good, but it was like him being back, and I was just like, oh yeah, oh, this is this is the good shit. Yeah, this is what is fantastic. Like, I don't know who who, who does the last two issues, because the next one is, we still have 17 and 18 of Immortal, uh, like the next one is the Jean Grey one, and then 18 has Mother Righteous on the cover, so I assume that one's going to be the last one before. Yeah, I would think so. Because that's, yeah, it's like 27th of December. It's right at the end of the year. Um, uh, what do we think about the Hellfire armor? I think it looks pretty sick. It's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, it looks cool. I love Celine being like, oh, I actually do. Like, I actually do think it looks cool. Like, yeah. it feels like such a. Oh, we're constantly like sniping at each other, but no, this one's actually pretty good. Like, <laughs> even the closest people to Shaw fucking hate him and don't want to hand it to him ever. But this week we got to hand it to him. The armor looks pretty cool. Yep, and by the end of the issue, <laughs> he has turned on Celine. They're just like const. They're unable to work together. Like, yeah. I think it's hilarious that the way Xavier gets him to leave later is by essentially just jingling the keys of the Hellfire Gala in front of him. Like, zero guarantee he'll get it, like, but he's still like, fuck it, I can come back to this later, even though it's it's right in front of you, dude. You you can do, take it now. <laughs> yeah. And, like, after him being like, oh, I, I don't need the Hellfire Gala, I don't care about all that, I'm, I have Krakoa. And then it's like, oh, Krakoa is mildly inconvenient, and I could go back and <laughs> fight to the death for the Hellfire Gala instead. The Hellfire well, Gala. Thing in, uh, our, oh, the club, yeah. yeah. I, I think I started the, yeah. the the flub there. Xavier being able to survive being attacked by the two of them, like extremely powerful uh, telepath or like psychic, and also extremely bulked up Iron Man suit and he's still like fine is pretty sick mm-hmm. um, and maybe to just deal with the whole Xavier story at once yeah what what the fuck's up with the um, what's going on he's is it's like is there any like extra extra failsafe in there that Sinister put in, or is there uh, like 
I want to go back and like look through and see what times like Xavier has died and been resurrected because I feel like it's, mm-hmm. it hasn't happened that many times. But it's well, had it happens happen. before Sins of Sinister to make Sins of Sinister happen, and then I yes, think it happens after as yeah. well. But I feel like it happened that one was... time before that too, right? There was like maybe yeah, like him when... and Magneto. Or no, he gets assassinated right at the start of Krakoa. Yeah. Yes. And, like, maybe Sinister was cooking all along there, but, like, maybe Sinister is just stuck in all four of them. I think that's... I think that's what... That's the simpler answer. (laughs) It's probably gonna be the simpler answer. Yeah. I don't... I don't think they want to overcomplicate this. Um, Yeah, no, definitely not. So... Yeah... Uh, so you're saying you think that there's a bit of sinister in like Emma, Hope, uh, Charles. Exodus and... was Exodus the fourth. Exodus was the fourth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And is that the fourth? Um... Hope was that. Yeah. Hope was one of them. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Hope was um... the one that he needed to get. Yeah. Um. Because that would be interesting (laughs) i think there's probably only a bit of sinister in xavier right now because we don't have time to wrap that up with the three (laughs) other characters yeah potentially but knowing comics it could be in all four of them like those are the three other people we're seeing chilling with mother righteous it could come up i don't think it's going to i think that that story is going in a different direction i think i mean they're gonna have to face down mother righteous i think that's gonna be like what the next uh-huh. Four issues are going to be about is them proving themselves in the white hot room, resurrecting, and then taking down Mother Righteous and bringing everyone back to. I mean, I Krakoa. think, I think the sinister thing might only pay off as like or l- lead into the mini event at the end. Uh, so it could like in that way, I could see like all four of them being sinisterized again uh just because like by that point we don't need to worry about them being like emma being stuck in the other book like he can just like pay off all of them at I, it could uh, yeah it could also just be like he had an extra fail slave fail slave yeah. in charles um or he did something like from within uh purgatory what do we call the pit the pit yeah 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 what do we call hell prison torture (laughs) (laughs) living death um the pit yeah yeah i mean that's the other thing that still needs to yes the pit stuff still needs to pay off like he's still in the pit and doug is also still and somewhere uh, uh, Gateway is somewhere on the island as well. Like mm-hmm. Destiny right, and Mystique sealed him away. He's not necessarily somewhere. on the island, is he? Because he think he's in like a no place, so that could, they they could put oh, that. Oh, okay. I don't know. I thought I thought he was on the island. I thought they put him in like a lake thing, but I might be misremembering. Might be. I like. I just thought it was like wasn't guaranteed. It was Krakoa. Yeah, I mean but, that could that could be. I don't remember the end of Rogue and Gambit that closely. 
like it's a really good last page sting the like yeah. don't kill yourself please oh, yeah. also <laughs> mr sinister is saying please but yeah i'm i don't know i'm i, I don't know where it's going yeah yeah, I mean, I think it's Sinister's in his head, and Sinister using his head killed those people, is what I think is happening. Mm. Yeah, it's like Sinister activating and when when there's a danger of death or something. Yeah, um, but this Sinister deal could just be, like, metaphorical, like, you say you're better than him, but you act like him type deal. But I don't think so. I don't know, that doesn't quite fit. He still seems to, like, he says he doesn't remember killing all those people. Uh, which, I mean, we'll see how that will pay off. I would, I would like that to still be a thing that Charles has done and not, like, I don't want, I don't want them to be like, oh, it's all sinister, right? See, I feel like it, it, it can work in the same way that, like, Issue 10 did, where it was, like, it felt like Xavier saying all these things that are true that he just never wanted to admit or like never would have been willing to tell other people. And then it can be a thing here of like, no, Sinister didn't control you to make you do that stuff. Sinister just gave you a push and like you were capable of that. Um, we'll see. Yeah. I, I'm hoping for, like, when this all wraps up, I think Kieran Gillen will have completed, like, a really good Professor X story, at the very oh, least. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I didn't realize that Kieran Gillen had written, was the writer on Generation Hope, so Hope has been, like, one of Kieran Gillen's, like, main oh, yeah. characters yeah. for, like, a while. I feel like yeah. I said, or brought it up. You probably said it, and then, like, it went over my head, and I went to read a little bit of Generation Hope this week, and It's not, like, it. his... It's it's not his best stuff, but, well, I mean, it was early in his career, and it's still good. It's just, yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't just, have, like, like the, the Gillen sauce that he got later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things he said in, like, I listened to an older episode of his podcast that came out, like, before his return to Marvel, like, but, like, after his, like, original work there. And he said in that one, like, if I'm ever going to write X-Men again, I want to do more with Hope. And I feel like I haven't done her justice or, like, he he really likes that character and he was, like... That's one of those that like other writers don't don't see as much in her as I do, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and he's he's right. Yeah, I mean, he did make like that was like one of the first things he did once he came on board is to establish. Okay, Hope is on the Quiet Council now. Like, <laughs> and it's and she should have been. <laughs> yes, like, yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, it's the idea that uh, the people responsible for, like, the five have a lot of power and they don't do anything with it. Well, so and they even, should. like, in these uh, interstitials we're getting, but in the data pages for these books, like, where they're talking about what's going on in the White Hot Room and how they're making society last, it sounds like 
um, Genesis and Destiny and Hope are actually leading their people in a in a real way and not just like a kind of behind the curtain way in for the first time because the government in Krakoa was so aggressively hands off. Um, like they just they met for the council, decided what they wanted to, but for the most part, people were left on their own to pick and choose what they did and didn't do for everything. No, nobody was going to come to the quiet council and be like, hey, my my purple potato is fucked up. What, what's up with that? But here, people are willing to come to Destiny and be like, hey, my purple potato is fucked up. You, you got any ideas? Um, which is a huge difference in how leadership has been shown by, by mutants so far. And also that, like, on that data page, Destiny saying, like, before this, I didn't feel mutant solidarity in the way that I should have. Now I do feel like I'm a part of this, like, or I hope that I would have done this thing, but I don't know if I would have. And now I do feel, uh, like, true solidarity with mutants. Um, it's another thing where it's like she's had such a a long game and such a, a wide view that she just doesn't doesn't ha- have the capacity to care about the the nitty gritty like the single one mutant ab- among thousands. But here, because she's been restricted and because she's interacting with these people directly. She's changing and becoming better, and it's cool. <laughs> yeah. We also get Phil's full name. Did we get his full name last oh, time? Oh, yeah. Chlorophyll. No. I think Chlorophyll. that's new this week. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Just classic. Classic Gillen. Uh, yeah, pulling. Phil Watch is popping off for you every week, Janos. Well, yes. not every week, but every immortal week. Yeah. Phil is here to stay. Phil for the the new council like yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah once Gillen wraps up all his like immortal stuff Marvel is gonna announce that he's now doing a Phil solo series it's just gonna be called (laughs) Phil or it could be called it's Phil exclamation mark it's it's (laughs) Phil yeah enter the Phil Philverse yeah and, and we go and meet every other version of Phil from Marvel. Yeah. All, all of Marvel's other popular universes. Shit, yeah. I had to look Nick, up. Nick, you really need to read the uh, the Ryan North Fantastic Four shit, because in his newest issue, he establishes a Dinoverse. <laughs> a world I'm that is just it, like... Just behind. <laughs> just like 616, but everyone is Dinos. I'm paying for Marvel Unlimited, so I'm just reading shit as it comes on Marvel Unlimited now, because it's easy, like, and I'm paying for it because it's easy, like, I'm not... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to see if the person who got revived is named. Oh, yeah, I don't think they they did say who it was. It's gotta be someone, like, they know is dead for sure. So that makes the list, like, a little limited, but... Well, but you'd only be in the waiting room if you're dead. And Mother Righteous is going directly to the waiting room. They're not using oh, Cerebro backups. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I also I think it's a cool choice to have it be someone we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like again, there are hundreds of thousands of mutants who are not the important name characters and they're important to someone. They're like this this is this is somebody's best friend who just got brought back to life and Well, and especially right now where it's slim pickings for who's around. <laughs> Oh, I loved when Satan, um, Satan Apocalypse said, I'm here to test on the road to Revelation. Uh, that was sick. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know, we're a bit, bit of a cop out. We're not getting the full Apocalypse issue. Yeah, he's, that you he's would not want. our yeah. Apocalypse. He's but like some good. sort of, like, he's come from seemingly uh, Genesis's. Not Exodus. Genesis. Exodus's yeah. imagination, um, which is pretty cool. It's kind of like their antibodies that the White Room uh, creates using like the psyche of the people within it. Um, like the bishops and Wolverines are there because they tried to kill Hope at one point. Is kind of what's established. Like Hope is like that's the face he made when he tried to get me. Bishop during the whole Messiah complex thing. Yeah, was out to was out to kill baby Hope. Um, uh, yeah. It kind of feels to me like what's being established here is that the White Hot Room, like associating the White Hot Room with the Danger Room, in a way where the White Hot Room is the ultimate version of it. It brings the things that have have literally killed you or like have come closest makes you fight them and makes you stronger because of it in maybe a way where you be, you're becoming strong enough to be worthy of the phoenix or worthy of like life kind of yeah because it's kind of acting in this specific case it's acting a bit like a heaven for these characters I mean, they literally are talking about going to a promised land, and I know that it's, like, wrapped in, like, a lot of Old Testament stuff and probably based more on, like, uh, Judeo beliefs, but, um, like, they are, like, on their way to, like, this is kind of like a mutant reincarnation story. I mean, that's what, literally what the Phoenix is. It's, that's where we're at right now. They are in the process of reincarnating, and what Gillen is doing here is is kind of like establishing the path for like how the white hot room can be like a a limbo of sorts for um the mutants even though they have literally another limbo as well which does its own own thing <laughs> yeah that's that's a whole other thing yeah <laughs> uh, i i really like what destiny is like uh no you can't look in my brain because it would melt you <laughs> Like, which I think is true. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think she's like, I think she's, she is hiding stuff, but also like she's seen the futures where like hope kills everyone. Like, I don't know. She's, she's not fucking about. Um, cause we, we know there are futures where hope kills millions of humans. And that is what starts anti-mutant, like, or starts the like anti-mutant camps and stuff. Uh, and also there's like Sins of Sinister where she, um, you know, 
was, uh, yeah, got a lot of people killed as well there on, on a whole other scale. <laughs> yeah. Trillions. Mother Righteous has clearly snagged the other four members of the five from Vanaheim because we saw them there earlier. <laughs> yeah, was that just a mistake? or? Like... I don't, I don't know. I don't think think so because uh they all there's like they've claimed to have only been there for a couple of days so it's like maybe they have only been there for a couple of days and that's like the fix but it could easily just be a mistake and fans being overzealous yeah Yeah. and an artist slipping in characters where they shouldn't or something there's no meant there there would be a mention of vanheim (laughs) i feel like yeah they probably would have been like no we were we were with magic we're a magic's place Hope says thank you, Mother Righteous. So that's gonna oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's gonna be great. Important. <laughs> I was like blaring. looking at my notes, and I just like went past the one that says "Hope in yeah. her debt." Yeah, we're all fucked. We're all fucked yeah. because of that. <laughs> yeah, the the issue after the Jean Grey one has a cover where Mother Righteous eats everyone. So. Oh, okay. That, that'll that be sick. I can't wait for her to become the Vor Queen. Yeah. She was always meant to be. She's, like, big and all the characters, like, fall into her mouth. Oh, of course she is. Of course she is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, what if she was really big and stepped on us? Haha. <laughs> oh, the thing I skipped over from the data page earlier, too, is that they established that they're, like, transforming shit into, like, products that yeah. they need. Yeah, uh, all the mutant very production rocks. Phil and Kafka go to Destiny about the tuber. There is a line there that Destiny says that it's, you should cherish that which gives you life. You should cherish that which you cannot live without. And it's like a little bit about her powers right now. It's a little bit about her wife, you know? A little a little bit of a sour note from our perpetual sad girl over here. She, it's just like 107 days straight of Destiny being like, where is my wife? Where is my wife? She's with Please. your son, taking care of him. <laughs> well, her, her son taking care of her. Yeah, that's really what what it's gonna be. Yeah. Their whole family's fucked up right now, except for Rogue. Rogue is working. I was just gonna say, I don't know if we said this before we started recording or whatever, but uh, the next issue of Mortal isn't for like six weeks because we need both issues of Jean Grey to come out before we're allowed to continue obviously makes sense because next issue is Jean Grey and now we know where Jean is having all these visions um, but uh, it was also yeah because I went through and did the doc until the end of the year and noticed that every all the minis are on three week schedules which is why it seems so Weird. packed yeah uh, there's going to be one week where like every mini is going to have an issue yeah and then it's like the next week is one issue yeah i i I think it's really cool that uh that gene is like quoting dialogue from her issue like that's that's just good synergy like from the gene gray issue basically issue one of gene gray had the phoenix as well yeah yes um and it was like a bit out of place uh so now it makes sense that these four issues are going to be well, there's like the one important moment where the phoenix first arrived but the other three are probably going to be like it's going to be inferno plus the phoenix which i don't think the phoenix 
played you you read that recently nick right um was was the phoenix in inferno uh no the phoenix is not an inferno the phoenix does uh get mentioned a few times i believe and then like at the end of inferno gene gray has all of uh the phoenix's memories at because it was a different gene gray or it was like only part of her was the phoenix and the rest of her was under the ocean being being fixed uh <laughs> that's like the weirdness of the retcon but she gets all of those memories, and she gets all of uh, Madeline Pryor's memories at the end of it. So that's, like, the main thing they have to do with each other. But I think, like, the next issue... I, I don't know how she can change Inferno exactly, like... I mean, just Maddie, get, Maddie gets the Phoenix Force. Maddie gets the Phoenix Force, yeah. And then issue four... I, I guess we, we could probably tell by the cover, but I, I don't remember what it looked like. No, I didn't see it either. It's probably like, um, oh, could could be Age of Apocalypse. That'd be a fun one. It wouldn't really fit, but mm-hmm. um, uh, and could be something from UX Men. I don't know. Like, what else happened? That was with the June? other thing that came to mind. But I'm like, I I don't know if. There's, well, then there's, there's any um, one like gene event there that's big enough. Well, there's the big, uh, the Phoenix Five story, which I don't know if like Louise Simonson would have any interest in, but that's the only other <laughs> big like Phoenix story that's happened. Yeah, I guess what if Gene was around for the Phoenix Five would be an in- interesting thing, and also, I mean, it could also be. Issue four could could also just like break the pre- pattern since it's the last one. Like just yeah, to, just it's probably wrap like up the wrap stuff. up. Yeah, yeah, it's just in the white hot room. Yeah, yeah, that's when she's able to start communicating with like Hope and and Exodus. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm gonna read X Force forty five by Benjamin Percy and Robert Gill, um, colors by Guru FX. Mikhail uses Colossus to kidnap June, a member of Orcus, who will be controlled by the Chronicler and used as a secret agent within the organization. Domino and Sage ask Deadpool for help figuring out what's up with the ring they stole, and when he refuses, they go to Doctor Strange instead. He is able to explain Mikhail's power to create empty spaces between spaces which he controls and inhabits. In this space, the Chronicler uses June to shoot Mikhail. Freeing X Force and starting the collapse of the hideout. This was this was this this was pretty good. Like this was, was much better issue. than the last X Force. Uh, finally, we're picking up on the plot again. It's still a little bit like Sage and Domino don't have anything actual to no. do aside from explain what's going on with uh, Mikhail from the sidelines. But that's fine. That has to happen to characters from time to time. <laughs> It is like they're 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 succeeding in like they are they're not succeed X Force is not succeeding. Mikhail is just Fucking getting up. his shit yeah. by yeah. It's just his the Chronicler is again. taken like he's taken so much shit, and he realizes that like even with all the shit he's taken, like he is still going to be betrayed by Mikhail at some point. It doesn't matter if it's 
this next person or the person after that or the person after that, he'll be on the hook eventually. So he's dealing with it. Yeah. Uh, and it's... I... I love Mikhail doing fucking society, like, goop, gooping their hand, her hands together. Um, and how nasty that looks. Oh, it's yeah, like, that visual is gross and sick. <laughs> uh... Like we really haven't, we really haven't seen him use his power a lot. Yeah, forty-five issues of X Force, um, but it's it's a cool use of it. Um, the painting that because uh, in this issue Colossus is released from the control of the Chronicler finally, and to do that the Chronicler just like leaves him or. In that process, he just leaves him at, like, uh, an easel with materials to paint. And he, Colossus, like, trying to come out of this, like, fugue state, ends up painting this, like, horrific image of his brother eating him alive. Um, And it's so cool. It looks so cool. And the paint running all over him, and it's the, like, uh, magenta, so it looks kind of like blood. It's very, it's a very nice visual. Yeah. Man, I just realized that, like, Colossus can just, like, hose himself down yeah. in a way that, like, <laughs> normal people can't after they paint. Uh-huh. That's pretty handy. Maybe that's where you got into it. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that art rocks. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's, a, like, really nice, the, or, like, the Chronicler doing one nice thing for Colossus after, like, years of being his torturer, basically. You know, unwilling torturer, but still, having done horrific stuff to him, and just being like, ah, here, look, you're still trapped, but I'll give you an easel and some paints, and hopefully you'll have a slightly better time. Having the villains deal with themselves is also a good way to keep Quentin's um, loss of his powers under wraps until the next arc when there's more time to deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's a point. Yeah. Yeah, he's just Quentin and Omega Red and Wolverine are just kind of sidelined for this story, it seems like. Which is fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Orcus agent that uh, the Chronicler pulls in shoots Mikhail and his uh, pocket dimension falls apart and Mikhail's probably dead he looks very dead but he might not be the yeah, cover I think of the, the next, next issue yeah. is him which could okay. be metaphorical but I don't think he's dead I don't think he I should think be because that be would be kind issue. of a letdown I was kind of feeling a little let down so now that I am understanding what the fuck happened better like I'm more excited for the next I issue I think the next the next two issues is gonna be like them dealing with Mikhail and the Chronicler and all this shit. Uh, just like... So that they can do Beast for like the next hack. Yeah, do Beast for the next seven years. Yeah. Does Beast still have his prison? Like, that's probably where he is, right? The secret prison he has? Yeah. I, I think if you think his he has space that. Prison? His space prison? His space prison. They shut that down. I think. Maybe. Someone found out about it and wasn't happy, so I can't imagine it kept going. Well, 
depends <laughs> if it was yeah. fucking Charles maybe it, it would kind of makes it a little worse if it does keep going after that <laughs> <laughs> yeah do we have any more thoughts on I know we kind of just flew through that but do we have any more thoughts on X-Force 45 nah I'm good I honestly, I, it's the only one I didn't write any notes for <laughs> okay then I didn't really let's have move anything. on to X-Men 27 Yes. Uh, my my first note for that one is just Phil Noto faces exclamation. Yes. Time. Do you want to read the summary, Kiwi? I believe it is your turn. Yeah. Um. So X Men twenty seven, written by Jerry Duggan, uh, art by Phil Noto. Uh, Shadowcat breaks into the prison holding Juggernaut and Cyclops and takes a census of the captured mutants. She breaks Juggernaut out, but asks him to wait for his escape, which leads to him being recaptured. Dr. Stasis talks to Firestar about his plan to kill the Juggernaut and ingest the gem that powers him. The rest of the X-Men go to visit the Fantastic Four and find out how Reed was able to mask the X-Gene. Rasputin 4 causes some problems, but they are able to figure out that the Terrigen Mists are key to masking mutant powers. Uh, so yeah, there's the two, two storylines are pretty separate. Um... And they're split, and it doesn't bounce back and forth. They're split straight down the middle. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, except there's the Firestar bit at the end, but it is, basically. Also, it's... Why, why does Juggernaut just get captured again immediately in a dark page? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of point? a bummer. <laughs> Jerry. It's, it's another thing for him, like... There, might, there was an extra issue here and some pages got cut to of of juggernaut trying to escape or something like i don't know it does not feel right in but, um, i mean maybe they'll show it at the beginning of the next issue i think like it's probably just like set up like that's the twist of the issue or whatever i don't know i read this issue the same day i was reading like old Simonson New Mutants issues where they're in Asgard and they go from being caught in one jail by a group of Asgardians to caught in another jail by a group of Asgardians to caught in a third jail by a group of Asgardians and that's like the five issue arc so I was fine with this (laughs) (laughs) it's also yet again I mean, actually, the reason that Juggernaut got caught again immediately is maybe he didn't, and this is a trap for Firestar because Firestar is such a bad spy because she's yeah, like she's awful at it. Doctor Stasis is like, I think I'll kill the Juggernaut, and she's like, Whoa! Oh no, you you can't do that. Well, she isn't literally, but like, she spits out her food and is like, why would you want to do that? And it's just. Please, <laughs> I like. I, I feel like Firestar has to die. Um, I I don't think she has been successful. This is like the third interior of a brain I think we've seen in the Fall of X. <laughs> um, and uh, I like that for Reed. It's just kind of like a storm of knowledge in his head. Like it's. Like, the hole is literally they're in a hole. He said, I mean, the art is, the art is amazing here. Like, Phil Noto yeah. is... It's so fun. So good. I feel like Phil Noto also just has, like, a, such a specific 
like way he draws faces that like yes. everyone everyone is handsome. Yes. Like, he made Scott hot. <laughs> <laughs> and his eyes are sawn shut and still. Yeah. I'm sure someone's into that. I, I watched Hellraiser yesterday. Like, Jagannath looks great. Um, I love him drawing the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Juggernaut I'm sure he's been on a Fantastic Four some, run at some point. Somehow. Yeah. Like, Phil Noto manages to make Juggernaut look, like, adorable. Yeah. In this, like, um, it's still serious-looking style, which is very impressive. Yeah. Um, I like the clarity on what Rasputin 4's power level is, which is not like a big deal or anything, but that it's just like, yeah, she doesn't have all of them at the strength of the people they were taken from because, you know, whenever that's impossible or they, or would be, I mean, it would be boring <laughs> is real, the real answer. But like, yeah, she's not as powerful as Quentin Choir, but that's where her um, telepathy comes from. And, uh, the, um, I also think it's like the first real characterization we've had of her as like, like she hasn't had this much to do in an issue yet. No, and she hasn't. She's just been around basically. Yeah. And it's interesting to make her this sort of blunt person who doesn't just doesn't understand the relationships that are at play here. Or who everyone is. Um, also, like, seems to not even understand that, like, going into someone's home... Yeah. At, like, full force, like, no, nah, I'm gonna fuck you all up unless you give me some answers, but I am here for peace. is not, like, tactful in any way. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, she she grew up in a sinister hellscape. Like, that That's makes true. sense. Yeah, and she's just, she just can't resist punching the thing. Like but Nobody can. Everyone loves to punch the thing. When you're raised by, like, a dad who's a silly trickster type, becoming the most blunt as possible person makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And it's funny to just go all out, like, I'm gonna fuck up the Fantastic Four when they're all in their, like, island time outfits. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, like... Ben Ben's fishing rod and his fishing uh, like yeah. waders. He is looks so cute. incredible. That's such a good look for Ben. Yeah, Reed comes out like eating chips. Like, <laughs> I I had to look up who the fifth mutant she got her powers from was. Una Unus the Untouchable. He's just like a a bad guy who makes force fields. Yeah, he's like a like. Stanley era guy. I yeah, think. he's shown he's up, I guess, a couple of times um, here and there. Like, he was in Sword for a little bit. Um, or, not Sword. He was in X of Swords for a little bit, but not for much. Um, it's nice to see Miss Marvel and Reed being like buddies, stretch buddies. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, yeah, the high five is great. One of my notes is just stretchy high five. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's also was was Kate 
Franklin's babysitter or something. Is that the link? Um, so in have I figured it would be in stuff Nick's read recently. <laughs> I think it's just that she's met them a bunch of times, and none of these other four characters, aside from Miss Marvel, has met them ever. Um, she had to st- one time she like stole. Um, a machine from Reed that uh, she was going to use to help Colossus because he was sick in some way, like his power was fucking up, and then she broke the... Um, she ended up breaking the machine, but getting Reed's help anyways. That's like the only Claremont crossover I can really remember between them. Um, and then in Days of Future's Past, obviously uh, Rachel is married to Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, no, I don't. I I think it's just they've met a bunch of times, and like Sink and Talon and Rasputin Four haven't. I I hadn't even considered that like none of the rest of them had ever met. Yeah, I think Miss Marvel has met them for sure, right? She has to have, but um, otherwise, no. It's it's just that they're they're all relatively like not necessarily new characters in Sink's case, but. Well, Talon and Rasputin 4 are new to, like, the last couple of years, so. Yeah, I don't need a payoff to, I mean, I said this earlier, the payoff to, uh, why did Charles, or what did Charles erase from Reed's brain? It's like, I don't think it's particularly exciting. Yeah, uh, it, it comes a bit too late. a little dull, yeah. Yeah. Um, this this issue felt like very low stakes, especially in the second half. Like the other yeah. storyline is is much more interesting. Um, I also I thought it was sad a little bit when when Juggernaut was like, "Did the other X Men survive, or did any of the other X Men yeah. survive?" Because he definitely means the people he was voted in with. Yeah, and he just he doesn't know. And Kate just like it's like information security, and also not wanting to. Tell tell him that, but also just being like, no, don't worry about it. Everyone's an X Men. We're all X Men now. We're all X Men now, buddy. Resist. Nothing, Resist. nothing to be sad about. Please don't move while Scott's on the other end of that rope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I love to see the art, and I love to see the Fantastic Four. Uh, but yeah, it's just not particularly exciting issue overall like plot you know wise. kate pr- probably has crossover with the fantastic four and x-men versus the fantastic four which i haven't read so mm-hmm. oh yeah that was on my reading list so yeah, yeah that's it's still on my list it's still saved in my library uh will we all right do we want to move on to whatever else or, we're reading quick shout outs yeah. and then we'll wrap up um uh, I I watched thirty movies since the last episode, so I haven't <laughs> I haven't read anything. Um, Tetsuo the Iron Man's probably not a SAG or WGA product, I would imagine. No. So go watch that sixty minutes of fucking weird body horror. Yeah, and it's normal. Scrapey pipes and metal and stuff. <laughs> it rocks. It's on my list. I watched it last year, I think. It's good. Uh, I picked up Rare Flavors number one in the comic store by 
Ram V and Philippe Andrade. Um, it's really cool. It's, uh, it's a limited series, as far as I can tell. Uh, it is about um, about this guy who is like a uh, who's like a demon who eats everything and he comes down to uh, current day Mumbai and is just obsessed with the idea of making an Anthony Bourdain type show he like learned that Bourdain died <laughs> and now he wants to make his own like foodie show so it's this whole thing is like it's it's you know Ramvi is from Mumbai so it's like a lot of like attention to detail to like and like love for like the food and drink culture there there's like there's like pages where they tell you how to make chai masala so it's like <laughs> it's like really it's 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 just this fun combination of like mythic like mystery stuff where you're like you know, a lot of questions raised towards the end of the issue, but uh, you know, at the same time, there's like these food show type interjections, which I believe the rest of the series is gonna be about. So you know, check that out. It's uh, it's I'm I'm ex- ex- excited to keep this one reading. Uh, and for a DC update, I've been reading. Bad Girls, which is a series that wrapped up this year, uh, and it's about the Bad Girls, uh, Cassandra Kane and uh, Stephanie Brown and Barbara Gordon teaming up. Like they they move into the other side of Gotham and uh, set up there, and they they do crime solving stuff there, and just a really fun like. Uh, book of like the the character dynamics are like really well written um it's like these two like younger bad girls who are like out in the field and then uh barbara gordon as oracle and sometimes also in a bad girl suit is like the older like responsible person who is like keeping them in check so it's yeah i I really like it it's uh it's it's pretty self-contained for like dc stuff like it's uh it like takes place like independently from the big events basically so it's yeah it's check that out it's fun it's a uh, great colorful art as well um just like a very fun vibe to it yeah i've been reading um static season one and static shadows of dakota which is season two but it's called shadows of dakota um it's Vidayala and it's it's really good uh it's got like an anime style to the art um which doesn't hit 100 percent of the time for me but it's hitting 99 percent of the time i think um and it's like a a nice reboot of the static storyline um it's pretty straightforward it changes um the the inciting incident that he gets his powers in from being like a gang fight to being a protest which i think is a smart maneuver like they get they get um, shot with like experimental tear gas that ends up starting to give all the kids powers um, which is a little on the nose but it's on the nose in a way I think that works um, and then my like yeah I, I think I mentioned this earlier but I'm I'm almost done with the Claremont run I'm on the Extinction Agenda event which is like in a nine part series eight or nine parts so I'm only like halfway through it 
Um, and then I have to go back and read like Wolverine and um, Excalibur, and then I'm gonna read some other shit that doesn't involve the X Men at all for a while after I finish <laughs> that monolith yeah. of of books. Yeah. Um, um I actually. I, I I realized that uh, Caroline's battle has already started, so we're pre- yeah. presumably you're fine. Um, and oh, okay. yeah. I did actually um, just one evening read uh, Night Eaters by uh, Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda, or the the creative team who did uh, Monstrous. Yeah, um, okay. and it's. I think it's a series of graphic novels they're doing because this was the first one. It was like 200 pages. And then uh, there's another one that's already out, but I haven't, <laughs> haven't uh, been able to get. Um, but it's really cool. Looks gorgeous. Um, it's about like a, a uh, family who've like moved to america from hong kong or like the parents did and now there's like the uh kids were born in america and um there's some like you know immigrant parent stuff and also there's some weird uh fantasy like horror stuff going on and this first book is kind of just like the reveal of what what the deal is basically but it's very cool and uh the art is gorgeous and also just has like really really fun facial expressions which is like i i only read a cup like an issue or two of monstrous i probably saw it there but it wasn't a thing i associated with um that that artist um but there's just a lot of very like cute funny faces mm-hmm. that you're like <laughs> oh yeah it's just like someone someone being really mad and their face is just like two dots in a line and it just like fully conveys the anger perfectly yeah um, yeah she's an incredible artist good. like yeah i read a bit of monstrous like not not enough to get a solid grasp on it yet but it's probably going to be a future recommendation but yeah yeah i honestly kind of was expecting you to recommend monstrous and then i would be like and also, yeah, <laughs> they've done other stuff. Um, but yeah, I, ju- I like just read that one evening, and it was a very nice, cool, cool start. And I'm excited for the rest of it. Um, yeah, I need uh, to stop reading comics and make my comic. <laughs> uh, but is there another place people can find you all on the internet? I don't think so. Nah. You can find me watching Caroline's Battle after we finish talking. <laughs> it's uh, it's over. <laughs> I know, I know. I have it open in another window. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, unfortunately, I must cheer against Caroline because B is on my team. So. <laughs> uh, this has been Hated and Feared, uh, hosted by Janos, Kiwi, and Nick Sands Holly this week. Um, our intro music is Welcome to My Island by Caroline Polachek. We're probably going to be using uh, I'm in Your Mind Fuzz by uh, the uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard our, our outro this week. That's just a shot call before I edit. Maybe I'll change <laughs> my mind. Um, it's a good song. 
we're on a good episode productions and resist resist, resist. the fire star evil i am not malevolent i simply am which soon will be more than i can say for you Get out of my house, Exodus! X-Men. With the gods number one and the like, ultimate invasions that were like ten dollar magazines, and the, I mean even the Hellfire Gala, like. Yes, they were, like, extra-sized, but they really cheaped out on, like, just still printing it on the same, like, floppy format. Like, I think, like, DC Black Label did does, like, these prestige things that cost more, but they print them on, like, high-quality paper and shit. Yeah, <laughs> so it should have like, been, at the very least, like, a paperback. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like... My I my Hellfire Gala issue fell apart while Same. we were recording the episode. Like the staples yeah. came out, and that yeah. that was like an eight dollar book. So that's that's miserable. Yeah, it really feels like they're they're cutting corners on uh, on the single issue shit, and the trades are like way too expensive. Like the fucking. $50 X-Lives of Wolverine is just <laughs> yeah it's 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 nutty it's like I gotta buy more expensive bread now I don't want to have to buy more <laughs> expensive comics now 